The Poppy Act is live and employers are being bombarded with terrifying mixed messages of what this means for their businesses. But what does Poppy really mean for employers? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, the podcast helping you serve the complexities of South African employment and labor laws. Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Barry Gordon-Davis and on the button board is sound producer Yasser Yas Like It, Ismail, who gave me his express consent to use his personal details today. Tell me Yasser, <laughs> how many times a day are you required to give you, uh, some of your personal details to third parties? <laughs> I actually don't remember giving content, so I hope you have proof of that, Barry. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's become such a common thing. I mean, coming into the office, signing in for registers, going to a shopping mall, um, actually at my complex as well, come to think of it, now and then we have to actually sign in for the guard, check our temperature. So I'm giving my personal information out all the time. And you do it so easily, hey? Yeah, I've never actually thought about how easily I'm giving away my personal information. Is that allowed? Well, yeah, that's the whole point of today's show. You know, entering a client's premises or, or visiting friends at the security complex, we just, you know, it's a case of either if you want to get in, you have to then fill in this form or show them your ID or driver's license and what really happens with all that information and more importantly, what are the consequences with misuse of that information? The Protection of Personal Information Act uh, sets some conditions for responsible parties to lawfully process the personal information of data subjects, both natural and juristic persons. And whoever decides why and how to process personal information is then responsible for complying with the conditions. Poppy commenced on the 1st of July 2020 and gave 12 months to employers to ensure that the organizations are compliant. And thus the, the, the Poppy Act deadline was the 1st of July 2021. Uh, Poppy will be regulated by a new information regulator. While within your organization, your information officer is the key person to ensure compliance. Now, the Poppy Act is important because it does protect data subjects from harm, but the risk of non-compliance includes re reputational damage, fines and imprisonment, and paying out damages for claims to data subjects. Naturally, as an employer, uh, you will be exposed to the personal details of your employees. So what do we need to know to ensure compliance? To help us dissect what employers need to know, to be compliant, we are joined by the National Poppy and Pyre Manager and Attorney Samantha Walker from LabourNet. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. So, as an expert on the subject matter, how often do you see the Act being contravened on a day-to-day -day basis? Probably hourly. <laughs> I think at this stage, it's very new um, to, to a lot of individuals and employers. You know, it was government gazetted back in 2013, so it really shouldn't be new. But no one really, you know, took any heed of it until it was launched into the spotlight last year in 2020 when it, it was signed in, the remaining provisions. And not everyone's got on board, and those that have are doing so slowly. Um, but, yeah, we're seeing breaches of the Act almost daily. Now, your title being a poppy manager means that it's now a specialized field specifically in terms of the law um it's it's, it's something that that is that important to employers now am i correct 
hundred percent. Um, we've had to actually develop a whole, um, you know, department to really assist our clients. There was a massive need, and yeah, Poppy is is here to stay. And I don't think many people realize that this is not ticking a few check boxes and we're done. Poppy, we're gonna walk with Poppy for a very long time and we just need to get to what I call a poppy normal. So accepting that it's there, having measures, updating them, following the new regulations. You know, it sounds all easy, it may be complicated, but if you have a set plan in place, you really can reach a new poppy norm quite easily. So firstly, we've heard of employers claiming that the act is not applicable to them because they have a small business rather than a, a, a larger organization or enterprise. Uh, who does the act apply to? So we hear it all the time. Um, I get a lot of questions saying, I only have five members of staff. You know, my turnover is low. And unfortunately, none of that matters. Small and medium enterprises are not being excluded from the act. And in actual fact, if we look at Section 3, Basically, if you're processing personal information in South Africa, you need to be compliant with Poppy. So um, what about employers who claim that they actually do not work with personal information? They just claim, I'm not using this personal information or processing it in, in their view of definition. So Poppy is really going to affect everyone because we all have personal information. The definition of personal information is so broad in terms of Poppy. And if you have employees, you have personal information. If you've got clients, you have their information. Even your supplier's contact number, that's personal information. So we all do have personal information. If you don't have personal information, I'm actually not sure <laughs> what business you're in or if you can even operate. So we're all going to have to be compliant with the Act at the end of the day. Now, we've said the word processing a couple of times, um, and there's a lot of emphasis on processing, and I'd assume that the Act then obviously defines what is meant by processing. So what does it mean to process information? So processing, um, the definition is quite large. It's what we call a catch-all provision, and it names a number of activities you could essentially do with personal information. But the easiest way to think of it is processing is anything in personal information's life cycle. So processing includes collecting, using, storing, deleting, or archiving information. So at all stages of that personal information life cycle, you need to be compliant with the Act. And uh, also talking about personal information and then special personal information. What is the difference between the two when we, when we dissect what information is? So personal information is largely defined, but it's generally your generic name, email address, employment history, financial history, etc. And then there's a few items that have been named as special personal information in the Act, and there's a higher level of protection given to it. So this information includes information about health, biometric information, so fingerprints, that type of thing, as well as trade union information would also fall in that category. And there's... In understanding of the purpose of Poppy, maybe you can also just give us a, uh, an overview of what the purpose of it is. But then there's also this emphasis on how we protect data and store data. And, and what relationship does that have um, with the Act? So the Act sets out four main purposes. Majority it's achieved, but essentially it's to give effect to the constitutional right to privacy as well as balance that right to privacy against our other rights. And because if we had an absolute right to privacy, no business would be able to hold my information and they wouldn't be able to operate, we would crash our economy. So we need to make sure we have that balancing act 
as we can still process information in, in certain circumstances, even without consent. Now, with, with the actual storage and protection yeah. of data, okay. that's where employers uh, are, are, what do I need to do? Do I have to go and buy some sort of special vault that's going to now protect these files? What does it mean to uh, store and protect information that you have now acquired? So, in terms of protecting personal information, we go to condition number seven, and it actually gives us objectives to achieve instead of telling us what to do. And this is because Poppy is a principle-based legislation, so there are no fixed rules. It just says we must take reasonable steps to try to protect the loss of unauthorized access to or even damage of the information. So we're trying to protect someone else gaining access to it, as well as us actually losing or damaging that information that we cannot access it. This can be achieved in many ways, from the simplest to very complicated methods, but we generally look at it in, in two sort of sectors. One, your organizational policies. So how do we regulate sort of people? For example, a clean desk policy, putting away confidential information when you're going to be away from your desk for an extended period of time or even at the end of um, your day, all the way to physical security, CCTV, you know, all of those types of things. And then we get very technical with the IT stuff. So from the basics, passwords on all laptops, to extreme server policies and change management policies. So it's really going to be dependent on your organization. Uh, advise, step one, identify your risks. What are your risks? External and internal. We must never forget about our employees because they're essentially our biggest risk. All the data breaches I've been involved in currently is an employee accidentally sending out an email contact list or something like that. That's a breach of, of information that's gone to someone it shouldn't have. So let's put in measures to regulate how our employees handle the information so we can protect it. And then secondly, external things like hacks. Hacks is a real thing. The Department of Justice's emails were just held ransom for Bitcoin, which was, you know, for millions. Yes. So these things do happen. So put firewalls in place, you know, the larger you are, the more protection you're going to need. The smaller guys can get away with, uh, you know, the basics, clean desk policies, password protection policies, etc. And effectively, if a employer or business at this stage that we're talking about it doesn't put in the necessary means and there is a breach, it's more of an assessment of what did you do to try and prevent this that would then prevent the claims. 100%. So the wording of the act stipulates you must take reasonable steps to try and prevent it. It's not asking you to guarantee against a breach. No, none of us would be able to do that. So if you do have a breach, it has to be reported to the information regulator. So you're not going to be able to fly, you know, on low radar. And then we look, did you actually take steps to prevent it? If you took no steps, trust me, a fine's coming your way. <laughs> but if you've taken steps, fine, let's maybe update them so this doesn't happen again. So that's an overview of the act and, and what it means uh, and purpose-wise. Um, so let's get into some practical applications thereof. So, you know, as we typically do, um, despite having 12 months from July 2020, we all saw that from the 1st of July 2021, um, being bombarded by businesses who ordinarily would spam me in mailers um, or even businesses that I genuinely give my consent to send me mailers from all of a sudden now sending me emails requesting my consent to continue with this behavior um, or continue with the mails. Where does the consent application then come into the whole compliance side of from the 1st of July this year? So you've touched on two very important points, the issue of consent and then the direct marketing, which 
I'd like to go through because I think it's very important, especially for employers that are not aware of it. But firstly, to the consent aspect, Poppy stipulates you only need consent when a justification doesn't exist for you to process information. So essentially, if there's a justification, you don't need consent. There's this big misconception. I'm always going to need consent, and that's wrong. Okay, sorry if I may stop you there. So let's talk about that in practical terms when it comes to internal. So my employees, I have to now go and retrospectively or, or from that date on, ask them for consent to use their data? No, you don't actually, because one of the justifications in Poppy is if you have a contract in place, it doesn't have to be a formal written contract, if there's a contract and you are processing information to fulfill that contract or to conclude it, you don't need their consent. However, I will say I'm a very big fan of consent and that's often because we step out of the bounds of the protection of the justification. So to give an example, in the contract it says, you know, I'm going to pay you, you're going to provide these services. That's simple. These are obligations. So I can use your information to pay you, for example. But all of a sudden, I now send your information to my client because you prepared the architectural plans, for example. That's not in your contract for me to actually send that information out. So I've stepped outside of the protection of a justification. So that's why I always I'm a big advocate for consent. Go and get consent. Even if they withdraw it, then we still have that justification of having a contract there. You were going to talk about the mailers. Before I jump to that, just one last thing. When yes. you're dealing with employees, we, we touched on the special personal information earlier. If you are processing trade union memberships, or even if you're collecting dues and, and paying that over to trade unions, you actually need express consent for that, as well as biometric information. So if you're using fingerprints to gain access to the buildings, then again, express consent is needed. That's not going to fall under the justifications. The justifications are for the normal personal information, not for special. So just watch out for that. Just include it in, in your consents when you do get them from your employees to protect you against that. Okay, before we get to that easy aspect or the easy part about mailers then, <laughs> you've just touched a nerve for me. What about employees who then refuse to give consent? Well, see, now we're heading into <laughs> a little bit more dangerous water. Um, I've had some clients who've tried to fire their employees for not providing consent and you just cannot do that. You cannot force someone to enter into a contract with you. So if, for example, we're dealing with trade union membership and an employee doesn't want to give you consent, I've dealt with it many a time, the trade union says, don't sign that consent. Well, then we can't process that information. We can't collect your membership dues. Good luck, trade union. You're on your own. You've got to do it then. Um, biometric information, then they will probably have to sign in because we can't have their fingerprints. So now we've got to you know, make some sort of arrangement for them. But in most instances, it's going to be so frustrating for that employee that they're most probably just going to give you that consent in those situations. Okay, let's get back onto those mailers the that mailers. I've been getting, the spam. <laughs> the spam. <laughs> so all of these marketing um, sort of emails and SMSs we receive, they now fall directly under the Poppy Act. The Consumer Protection Act did have uh, some fingers at play here, regulating some things, but Poppy's brought the hammer down. So Poppy specifically deals with electronic communications, emails, SMSs. It even makes provision for faxes. <laughs> like, I don't know if anyone's received fax marketing, <laughs> but I think they did it 
so that that wouldn't be wouldn't a loophole. Wouldn't be a loophole. Now yeah. fax is going to be the new thing because, to get around. <laughs> because we all have uh, fax to email now. So yes, that could true. potentially true. be a loophole for them. It wasn't an email. It was a fax to email. Exactly. So that's why I think they've covered faxes. Um, so any sort of electronic communication, either we're going to fall in one of two areas of Poppy. Either they count as an existing client and I can continue marketing, no consent is needed, or they're not our client or customer and it's going to be a cold call. So in order for them to be an existing customer, you've got to meet some qualifying criteria. The first one is that you received the information, their contact details in the context of a sale of a product or services. So they've actually bought something from me or used my services. The second one is that we've given them a reasonable opportunity to object at the time of collecting the information. And the third one is that we're going to market our own services, not some random company next door. But that reasonable opportunity to object, that's where the problem comes in. Because how do you give someone a reasonable opportunity to object? So we now get into the opt-in, opt-out debate. Yes. But essentially, if you know you gave them an opportunity to untick a checkbox or say they don't want marketing, that will be fine. They're your customer. You can continue marketing to them. No further consent is needed. We just need to include an opt-out in each message. No problem. Now, if they are not our customer, oh, Poppy has made this so difficult. I actually don't know who's gotten this right yet, to be quite honest. Um, it then pushes you to the regulations, which pushes you to a set form that you have to use, that you've got to get this data subject to fill out all this information, give you consent, tell you how they want to receive information, SMS, faxes, and about what products and services, and actually some form of consent, so signing, agreeing to a website. What person who's not a customer of yours is going to fill out this form to give you consent? So essentially what Poppy's done is close the, the cold marketing scene for emails and SMSs. And if they do continue emailing you, you know, you've never given consent, you're more than welcome to report them to the information regulator. And there is a section where they can settle the claim with you. So we could be seeing this is the new CCMA. You know, when they, we went through that phase, everyone was just going to the CCMA to try and make money. The information regulator could be that new cash cow <laughs> for marketing companies that are not doing it correctly or even employers that are not doing it correctly. And besides paying them out, you may still get a fine. So we've got to be very, very careful that we, we're sticking to our existing customers. So bringing it back to our employers that are dealing with us on a day-to-day -day basis, another practical aspect would be we know that there's obviously a lot of protection that is put on job applicants as well. And dealing with applicants rather than your employees, you know, we're just trying to get into this relationship already. What must employers do to ensure that when they are busy gathering information for potential employees that they then don't find themselves on the wrong end of the stick? The best advice I can give you is have an application form with a consent clause in it that says something along the lines of by submitting this personal information to us, you give us consent to do the following. You know, review, do credit checks, whatever you're going to do with the information, get consent for it because this is a very dangerous area. Um, with my recruitment companies I work with, they know what a nightmare we've had trying to put this in place. The best is just put an application form in place and potential employees will fill out that form. They want to work for you. So you'll get it right in that way. And a potential 
well, an applicant or potential employee that then refuses to give that information, they can't go and cry foul when you say that it actually then obviously expels them from the process. No, they can't because you need this consent. There's no justification that we can sort of use here. We need that actual consent. So we can't, you know, forget about our legal obligations to help you get a job. We still first as employers need to make sure we are ticking all of our legal boxes. And that's a great segue to my next question, specifically where you talk about legal obligations. So where there might be seen as a conflict, i.e., you know, we need to now get consent on certain things, but then the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, for example, requires us to have certain information and personal information, as well as, let's say, you know, paying over to SARS, preparing IRP5s. This means that we have to, when we have an employee, deal with their personal information. You know, how is this done if there's no consent then, you know? So it's actually brilliant. Poppy takes a back seat to any other legal obligation you have. It is a justification that you don't need consent to process information that you need to in terms of a law. I know a lot of my clients have tried to use Poppy to get out of certain things. For example, I had a client who was going through a Department of Labor inspection and they said, no, well, we're not sending you the information because... It's against Poppy. They're now sitting with a fine because you can't use Poppy to scapegoat your legal obligations. Poppy will actually take that back seat. Uh, and let's talk about using Poppy as an excuse. So you have, I've also seen instances where, you know, the, the phrase, this is against Poppy, gets used or thrown down in retaliation to employers investigating, let's say, alleged misconduct with the employees or, uh, you know, let's say, contacting the next of kin when there's unauthorized absence, um, checking on their, their social media pages, or even when you're requesting expert opinion for, let's say, medical information where there is a incapacity investigation in process, how would these things then uh, deal with Poppy? So a lot of what you've spoken about, there's a legal obligation on us um, to sort of investigation incapacity. That's how you follow that procedure. So we're allowed to do that. You know, looking at your Facebook page, you've put that in the public domain. We can't help you with that one. But in these, it especially gets brought up when employers retrieve emails, you know, that the, that the employee had. That is the employer's email account. That's their, offered their computers. They're entitled to actually um, look at those emails. And in most instances, they often employers have policies that say you will be monitored, et cetera, et cetera. They're more than entitled to look at that information. That's there to help them run their business. And investigating your misconduct is helping their employer run his business. So, no, Poppy's not going <laughs> to help you or get out of a misconduct case. The employer has all the labor rights to actually go and investigate that. Yes, and that actually touches on the, the business exception rule in the RICA Act, where we can then go and monitor communications that are using our domain and the like and tools that have been given to employees. 100%. So... Um, Another thing that employees also need to understand is, is that it's not only the employers. You know, they're sitting back and say, well, the employer needs to now go and comply with all these poppy aspects. But it's something that you said earlier is that employees themselves may find themselves to actually be contravening the Poppy Act just through the natural workings or, or duties and, and everyday responsibilities of them where they might be dealing with uh, the, the details of clients, suppliers, and the like. Um, what should an employer do to then obviously monitor and ensure that there's no liability from their side based on the actions of their employees? So the first thing I would suggest is put a data protection policy in place. This uh, sort of policy, if you Google it, 
they're all over the place at the moment. Everyone's sort of got a copy up on their website as well. But definitely put that in place because that speaks to how we deal with the eight main conditions of Poppy and how your employees should deal with um, personal information. So now you have a policy. Once it's signed in, your employees have accepted it. That dictates their procedure. If they then go and breach that policy by doing something they shouldn't, we can actually discipline them, which is a way of ensuring poppy compliance, is actually disciplining our employees. Or even, you know, if it's a smaller offense, maybe retrain, you know, your standard labor sort of things we look at. But in bigger breaches, this can definitely uh, lead to a dismissal. I know I've just updated someone's disciplinary code um, to include poppy offenses. And uh, just talking on the dismissal aspects of it, so the, the cause for termination would be a misconduct, it would be seen as a misconduct, and obviously, um, as for the, the practical applications of the show, that means having a hearing, giving them a fair opportunity to state their case, and, and the like before this th then goes into a possible dismissal. Yeah. So, um, thank you so much, Samantha, for your valuable inputs uh, on being poppy compliant. I know that uh, it's a burning issue at the moment. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to give out our contact details later at the end of the show. And if anybody needs any further information, we'll get you in touch with Sam. So in closing, uh, Sam, you know, it being a specialized field of, of the law at the moment, what generally is your process of um, uh, assisting employers with regards to compliance? So the way we look at it is we actually break it down into phases. Um, Poppy is long, it can be complicated, and it can be overwhelming. There's a lot of documents involved, a lot of new policies, a lot of new consents. We can, you know, move these things around to try fit your business, um, to try create the least amount of disturbance in your business. But ultimately, we break it down into four phases. Our first phase being consents, because we want to get that out the way. That's where our red flags lie, and people can report us, and that million rand fines come. Um, then we move into implementing organizational policies, into your IT policies, and finally we end with, um, we call it a spider flow chart, where we track the information through your business to make sure there's no actual red flags. Um, and then from there we continually update. For example, we just had a recent PIA update in August. So, you know, we come in, we update, we do risk assessments, we check quarterly compliance to make sure you know nothing's changed in your organization that we now need to sort of cover thank you so much for your time it's been a lot of fun thank you so much for having me so that's it for another episode of stuff employers should know get in touch on social media or drop us an email at sesk at labornet.com Give us your input on Poppy and let us know what other topics you want us to discuss. Uh, it really helps us improve the show and push out quality content that you want to hear. We may even have a listener's mail section in the show in the future. So from myself, BGD, and yes, till the next show, cheers. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.